Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you this evening because I'm anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the person of Jesus. Thank you for revelation and insight into your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All right, so we are in the final verse of uh, verses of 3rd John. How many of us have been blessed by the series so far? You've learned something so far? Let's go to 3rd John. And it's interesting that um, the Lord is showing us things from here that we can apply to our lives, apply to our work. So we start at Theotrephus on Sunday, how he was stopping hospitality and making sure that people do not receive the people that John sent. One of the things I'd like to say as we progress is that decide in your mind, decide in your life that you're going to be part of the people who build the church of God. Amen. Not just physical building, but in terms of contribution, in terms of supporting, in terms of helping. Be someone who contributes to the progress of the work. Be someone who contributes to the advancement of the work of God. Let let your attitude and your character not stop the work of God from going forth. It's very important. You see, I'll tell you this. There are many things you can do in this world. Many things, many things, many things you can do in this world. But there's only one thing that actually you can do for God. And what's that? It's getting souls into the kingdom. It's building the church of Christ. Amen. Even if you sing, it has to build the church of Christ. Even if you teach, it has to do what? To build the church of Christ. Whatever we do, it's important that we are focused on doing what? On building the church of Christ. So we've talked about the three men. Gaius, Diotrephes. This evening, let's look at Demetrius. So we read verse 12. And we're going to stop at verse 13. Just two verses. Let's start reading from verse 11 because verse 11 is very key in the, whole ver- in the whole of this chapter. And verse 11 is simple. It says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Now, it is easy for us to imitate. I, I believe that every one of us imitates. But we have to now make a choice about what is evil and what is good. Am I right? Talk to me. Am I right? Now, from the preceding verses, from the verses before we got here, what, was, what is good in this verse? Or what is evil in this verse? What is evil? What's evil and good in the context of this verse? The context of the chapter, sorry. Yeah? Supporting the traveling ministers, receiving the traveling ministers, walking in truth, having the truth within you, those are good things, Right? So we find out from the life of Gaius, those are good characteristics. Why from the life of Deotrophus, we find the evil characteristics. Okay. So he says, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God. 
But he who does evil has not seen God. Now, I want you to understand something. And please pay attention. Look at the scriptures. It says, he who does good is of God. The word of God there, um, the way the word of sometimes is used, not all the times, but sometimes it's used in the context of the, of the Greek scripture, is the one that comes from God, that emanates. So you hear the word something like the son of God. Alright, it's simple. If we say the son of Mr. XYZ, what are we saying? This person came from Mr. XYZ or Mr. XYZ gave birth to this person. Are we, are we together? Talk to me. Are we together? Okay, now, but look at, look at something that happened here. It says, beloved, do not imitate what is evil. And we talked about what is evil in the context of the chapter. Remember, we must study the, the chapter within the context, the verses within the context. So the, the context of evil and good here is because he had talked about two men. He's talked about Gaius and he's talked about Demetrius, um, Diotrephus. Now he says, but what is good? He who does good is of God, which means that the one who does good follows the example of Gaius, is the one who emanates from God, all right? But if you look at the way he described the one who does evil, he did not say the one who does evil is of the devil. Okay? You have to say something. Say amen. amen. Okay, I just need to make sure you're following. Now, the, the easiest thing would have been, he who does good is of God. And he who does evil is of the devil. That would, that would be like the simple logic, right? But here he says, but he who does evil has not seen God. Now, the word see there actually typifies experience God or have no experiential knowledge of God. So, the fact that the person is doing evil is not really that this man is not a child of God. He's just a child of God who chooses to act contrary to the dictates of God. So, it wasn't like uh, Diotrephus was like a wicked guy. No, he's he, a guy in church who just likes to, to take preeminence. Right? Who likes to say, okay, fine, no, you don't need to send preachers. So, the point is that he's doing all of that because he has not had an experience with God. In Paul's words, such Christians will be called carnal Christians. You can be a Christian and you're carnal. Which means that you're almost walking in the flesh. You're born again. But your anger, boom, 80%. Malice, 95.5. Hatred, 99. And yet, when we say, let's pray in the spirit, boom, before we even say, let's pray, you started speaking in tongues. And so sometimes we can, because I'm, I'm emphasizing this because we're going somewhere. So sometimes we don't even understand what exactly makes a Christian. What exactly makes a believer? And that's why what we want to look at this evening is very important. And I wish really people understand this. You know, <laughs> let's go. Go to verse 12 now. I've not experienced God. The Metroids has a good testimony from all. So if you, if, you, if you can underline on your Bible, I want you to underline the word from all. Now I want you to underline the word good testimony from all. So let's pick those words. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness and you know that our testimony is true. Verse 13. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. Next verse. 
But I hope to see you shortly and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the, the friends by name. And some people say, well, you have to use greet the friends by name so that he doesn't expose the names of everybody. But that's not important now. But what, let, me, let me talk about verse 13 and 14 then. I'll, I'll back, backtrack to the main verse we want to deal with. It says, there are many things I want to write to you, but I don't wish to write with pen and ink, but I hope to see you face to face shortly. It's, it's also important for us to understand this, right? Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 11, that I wish to see you, I long to see you, that I might impart some spiritual gift to you. The, 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 the Christian community was designed or is designed by God to actually have facial interactions. There are things that cannot be communicated and dealt with just by, in, in their days it was pen and ink, in our own day, just by WhatsApp. Are you following what I'm saying? If you have an offense with a brother, if something is going on, it's good to meet face to face. If you have certain truths to communicate, that's why you cannot use WhatsApp Bible study groups to replace physical meetings. You could have just said, well, I'll write everything to you gradually. Say, no, there are certain things I want to write, but I, I need to come to you face to face. And that is something we also need to emphasize. It's important for us to be within the context of community. Praise God. There are certain communication that should not be done over the phone. It's important that you, 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 you do them within the context of facial meeting. So that's just by the way. Let's go to verse 12. The Metros has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness and you know that our testimony is true. In this one verse is a very powerful concept of the Christian faith. Number one, Demetrius had a testimony from three different sources. Number one, he had a testimony from all people. And it was a good one. Number two, he had a testimony from God or the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth. That bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. Number three, Demetrius had a testimony from the elders or the pastoral team, which was John the Beloved. So this was a man who had a good testimony from the people around. He had a good testimony from, uh, from the Holy Spirit. And he also had a testimony from who you would call his spiritual father or his apostolic um, father or the apostle over that church, which was John. Now, we have come to a point in our Christian faith and we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful because we, we, we have done so much to emphasize the message of righteousness by the incarnation of Christ on the cross, meaning that when Christ died for us and took our place, he made us righteous. And we're not righteous by our works. And that is very clear. There's, nobody argues that. Our righteousness is actually given to us by Christ. It's a gift. But that's, that's when you understand the Pauline epistles, the writings of Paul, and the book of Hebrews. But it was very important that James brings a balance to this. And what James talks about, now I've heard some people say, well, James was written, you know, to, to, to Jews and, you know, to the new creation is just the Pauline epistles. No, the Bible tells us very clearly that all scriptures, how many scriptures? I didn't hear you. How many scriptures? All scriptures from Genesis to Revelation was given what? To us by the inspiration of God. So James is important to us, given to us. Now, James was very big on the subject of works. 
Now, I realize this, and it's very important. Uh, a man I love so much, Reverend Kola, I used to say something. He says, I'm not doing old school. I'm not doing new school. I'm just doing world school. Okay? What does that mean? We, we grew up, some of us, if you track back a bit, in, in, if, you, if you're in your early, not, maybe like if you're from 35, 36 upwards, you will realize that we came from a background that was, that was strong. So we had the holiness movement and it was strong on works. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't wear this, don't, don't touch this, don't do this, don't do that. We came from that background. And as God began to release the message of grace, <coughs> excuse me, we found out that our own generation downwards, generation X, Y, Z, has swung to the opposite. And it's all about whatever I do don't matter. Right. It's not my works. I'm righteous. I keep telling myself I'm righteous. Now, is there something wrong with both extremes? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's something wrong with when we emphasize works. And there's something wrong when we come to this point and we say, well, it's grace. Obviously, nobody's arguing with you. But this is where the challenge is. The person outside there does not understand works or grace. Your fruits are going to be the greatest testimonies of the Christian faith. So what is the balance? The balance is I know that I'm not righteous because of my works, but the fact that Christ has made me righteous will produce righteous works. Because the challenge is this. You will live in sin and still be praying in tongues. You will, do you understand that? Because you tell yourself, well, it's not me. It's not my works. Nobody can judge me. Nobody can judge you. Sir, we can judge you. The word of God is clear and gives us parameters for judgment. Paul said to certain classes of people, these things should not be named among you. And he listed them. So we can also look at those things and say, these things should not be named among us. It's clear. Are you following what I'm saying? Because sometimes, I, I mean, I, I won't, well, <laughs> I, I wanted to say I don't want to judge anyone, but, you know, sometimes I, I walk into a believer's house and, and I see, for instance, the list of the music the person is listening to. Right. And then the person comes and says, well, what defines secular music? What defines spiritual music? It is, you know, but I don't understand how you as a child of God can consistently listen to something that is not truth. With vulgar languages, you know, the person is encouraging you to kill your mother, kill your father, and you kill 67 people. And, 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 you are, and you feel like it's okay. I don't get it. How is it okay? How does it edify? How does it build? How is that pure? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? How is that pure? How does that edify? Why are we saying all of this? Demetrius, he says he has a good testimony from all. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. I'll show you something. Acts chapter 6. Personally, I'm so glad I had a lot of the old school in me. Ah, man. I have a lot and I don't... Man, I don't regret it. Because sometimes I see like, like what people are like, you're not scared? I mean, you can, you can call someone who says he's a believer, right? 
You call the person, ask the pastor, why were you not in church? The guy gives you a story. I send one of my service team members, oh, just call him and check up on him. He calls the guy, why were you not in church? Another story. And I call someone else, well, and one person gives three different stories why they couldn't make church. And what, it, what, what you just find out is that that man is lying. And yet, there's no conscience. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no, it, it, there's no feeling of remorse. It's not that I've done anything. Are you following what I'm saying? I know you won't follow when he has come to this one. Now, you have to follow because some of you do that. You are in the taxi. You are in your house. And when they call you, say, I've left. You have lied. You see, let's not try and make these things look... You see, you can speak to your conscience until you accept sin and logically reason it. You are lying. Are you following what I'm saying? And this is where the challenge is now. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. <laughs> Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Remember, what's the beginning? What did we start with when he was talking about um, Gaius? The truth is in him and he does what? He walks in what? In the truth. Remember I talked about internal truth and what? Practical truth. Okay. Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of what? Good what? One, one translation uses the word what? Honest report. Do you observe, do you observe, listen carefully everyone tonight. Do you observe that it says good reputation before it talks about being full of the Holy Spirit? And it, they didn't say we are going to choose by praying. It says look from among you. That means, guys, we are all church members. We need seven guys. Look from those of you who have good reputation. This was the apostles that Jesus handed over the church to. The first thing they looked at is, does this man have a good reputation? They could have said, well, is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It does not matter what he's doing in his company. He can be a leader in church. You know, most times, our reputation has driven more people away from God than the words we preach. That's why some of us can't preach. It's easy to preach in church, but if we send you to your workplace now, you have a terrible reputation. You've quarreled with everybody. Even when nobody's in the office, you quarrel. You, that's like you are quarreling in advance that somebody's going to come and meet this quarrel. And then you hear people say, that's how I am. That's my nature. I, I know this might touch a bit on, on toes, but listen, I don't think that any believer has any business putting your temperament before the work that the Holy Spirit can do on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't use the fact that I am sanguine, I'm melancholy, I'm choleric, and you are causing havoc everywhere and say that's your temperament. That's why you got born again. You can't use psychology to now alter scriptures. So you say, I'm very quarrelsome because I'm choleric. I'm just giving an example. I, I have not studied all those things. Huh? I'm very quarrelsome. No. If you are very quiet, what you need is the spirit of boldness. And that's what the apostles pray in the book of Acts. It says, grant also us boldness that we might speak the word of God boldly. Are you following what I'm saying? God can use your personality for the gospel, but you shouldn't use that as an excuse to remain in sin. Don't be hot-headed and say, that's how we are in our family. That's why you actually got born again. 
And I think for us, the fear of God is diminishing gradually. So we don't, and because God is slow to anger, we don't see quick punishment on the things we do. It's almost like it's fine. But that's not what this man was. This man had a good testimony, had an honest report. Seek from among you men with honest reports. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. We were talking about eldership. We were talking about eldership. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. He says, for a man to become a leader, he must have what? A good testimony among them that are outside. So one of the things that uh, uh, Apostle John commends Gaius for is a good testimony. The good testimony. You can't go to the market and quarrel and fight over, fight with everybody, fight with everybody. And yet, when they now start using you carry your Bible and start praying. Start wearing, uh, I am an overcomer. Dominion is my name. You know, sometimes, I'm sorry to say, sometimes you don't even want some people to know that some guys show up in your church. Because it's, it's almost like a disrepute. It's like, that guy's come to your church. They know, yeah, pastors, they try you. And then this same person comes and says, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, I know that by the word of God. But those outside don't know what the righteousness of God means. It's the way you live that will tell them this is how the righteousness of God is. And I'll tell you a very simple, simple way to know. Is your life still the same after many years of becoming a believer? Do you still have the same habits, the same struggles, the same issues, and the Holy Ghost have not been able to deal with it because you're not yielded? If, if I like what Andrew Mark used to say. He says, if Christians were to be thrown in jail for committing crimes because they are Christians, he says some people will never have an evidence. That means they will never know you are a believer. Thank God we don't even carry Bibles. In those days, we used to carry big Bibles to church. Now we don't even carry Bibles. If I ask you now, where's your Bible? You'll be quick to say, it's in my phone. Even though you don't read it. It has a good testimony from those who are outside. Jesus Christ said, what do men say? Who do men say that I am? Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Who do men say? It's important. Our reputation, listen, I want to tell you tonight, our reputation outside is important. Do you have a reputation for keeping your words? Do you have a reputation for living a good life? That's very important. Are you following what I'm saying? It's very important. When you say something to people, do they believe you will make it happen? You know, there are some of your friends that will call you now and say, man, I just need this money from you. I'm going to pay back. When you drop the phone, you just laugh. You just laugh. Why? They never keep their word. Praise the name of the Lord. Or you come to church, you want to, you, you're trusting God to get married, and you have lined up seven girls and proposed to seven of them all the same time that you are testing. Until both of them, two, three will jam you one day. No good reputation. You borrow people's money, you don't return. No good reputation. And yet, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do we know? What's the proof? It has to affect your works. 
Praise God. That's what will stand, that's what will make you stand out. You know, nowadays everybody's called a pastor. Everybody, everybody's called a pastor. Everybody's called a pastor. You know, way back when you were a pastor, you wanted to do business with anyone, and you just told them you were a pastor, oh, they, they gave you the papers. Today, when you say you're a pastor, they want you to sign three times. You're right, Tom. They almost take your biometrics. I remember when we were building, we needed to get something, and we went somewhere. Was it here now? No, I think it was in Worry Church. We went somewhere to get materials. We didn't have all the cash available, so we, we told the guy we're going to send the other money month end. And so the guy has to deal with my dad. So uh, the first time we went, and I said, where? We not mentioned the name of the church. And I laughed. You know, that laughter of, you are not getting one dime from this place. What was that? He now said that a lot of churches have bought stuff and haven't paid. And some of them have even gone way to issue checks that were not cashable. So he pulled the drawer. So you see this church? See this church? <laughs> it was just putting pies and pies and piles. No integrity. I remember young, young folk of mine worked for a pastor. And the pastor said that some people he has prayed for has not responded. That if they respond, he will pay. <laughs> you understand what that means now? Some of you are looking like you don't know what respond means. Like I, it's like I went to do business. They have not paid. When the people I pray for respond, then I will also respond to you. Or you finish working and say, well, what you have done is a sacrifice to the Lord. Go to the altar. Let me speak words over you. Was that the terms of agreement? We cannot use our spirituality, whether we're pastors or not, to deny people of what belongs to them. It doesn't hold us in good reputation. Number two, the spirit must bear witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. It doesn't matter how many people say you're a child of God. If the Holy Ghost does not bear witness with your spirit, you're not a child of God. Say, let those who do evil depart from evil, for the Lord knoweth them that are his. So the Spirit of God has to also bear witness. So the Spirit of God bore witness. Has the Spirit of God borne witness with your spirit that you are actually a child of God? Do you have that conviction? Do you have that conviction? If you were the only believer on this island, would you produce fruits of righteousness? Right. And then he also said, that I have borne a good testimony of him. That, that means Apostle John speaking. Now go back to Third John. Go back to Third John. So we find out that Apostle John also bears a good testimony to this man. Praise God. Verse 13. Third John. Um, 12. Go to verse 12. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness. And you know that our testimony is true. Look at the confidence. So we are also bearing witness with this guy. Can your pastor say that about you? Can they 
Maybe someone walks to the office, for instance, and says a report about you. Will I be, you know, it's like if you have a child who has an aggressive tendency, you know, this boy can fight. He's been fighting you, fighting the elder brothers. Maybe you have two kids. One is quiet. One is, one is on the extreme, fighting everybody. And then you just hear a report from school that your son, the one who is aggressive, that he fought with somebody. You know, you just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm coming. I'm sorry. You start apologizing because you know that that guy has the potential to fight, right? But if you observe, maybe it's the quiet one who doesn't do all of that. And you hear that, your first thing will be like, are you sure it's him? Why? You're bearing witness because you know their capacity. Right. I've got two kids. If you tell me that one did something, I can tell you that, yes. You tell me the other one, I'm like, I want to be sure. Sometimes I want to find out what got to the point where he had to do this. Can your pastor bear a good report for you? Praise God. You know, sometimes as a pastor... And people come to you saying stuff about maybe a member or something. Something is happening. And you just go defending the member like, oh, no. You know, when you're just defending. And you just defend. You say, okay, well, let's call him. And then they call the guy. And you, should, you now realize that even what the person was telling you, he was keeping it mild. Because he was talking to you, his pastor. He didn't want to reveal many things. And then in the course of the discussion, you just say, okay, I'll go talk. I'll go talk. <laughs> you know that, man, there's trouble. Are you that kind of person? Remember that John was, not, was writing from another location. So we're not even talking about people who were in the same church. You have such a reputation. It's very important. I want us to read, read a scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Praise God. I said praise God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. One thing I want to tell you, one of the things you must develop and it's a godly behavior is learn to keep your words. When you make a promise, keep it. Don't be forgetting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't forget. Even when you forget, when you are reminded, don't pretend that you have forgotten. Keep your words. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there. If you make a commitment, keep up to the commitment. It's a godly behavior. It's very simple. Your words must become your bound. That's why as a child of God, you don't commit all the time. Some of the things you have to pray about them. Allow, allow yourself time to say, listen, let me pray about this. I'll get back to you. Don't be in a hurry. I'll tell you something. Let me give you an example of what, what happened to me. I, I was to go somewhere, to go preach somewhere. And I told them, this is like a smaller church. We've, we've talked way before and I agreed that I was going to come. And then, well, I forgot. It wasn't properly documented. And then I had another... Uh, invitation to go to another place, you know, out of the country, and I bought my ticket for the date that um, covered these same people's date, maybe like two days for their conference. And so the pastor reached out to me, I'm like, oh, about our meeting. 
And I like, did I say I was going to come? He said, oh, yes. So he went back to the chat and sent it to me. I said I was going to be there. You know, the, listen, the truth of the matter is that now I'm going to preach outside of the country. Yeah, they're going to bless me. So it's going to be of a blessing. That's one. Number two, I'd already bought my ticket. So I bought my ticket to go out. Now, if I'm to preach for this church now, I mean, it's a small church. They're just starting. I'm going to spend a lot more getting to the church. And, and you know, it's the kind of church you go and preach. And when you even finish preaching, you just realize that their speakers are not good. That what you even brought, you will now say, you know, add it and buy speakers for next year anniversary. You understand? It's a young guy just started. And then by the time I called the agent, I realized that to change my ticket back, to gain that one day, just one day, was going to cost me like 56000 So if you look at it from the business <laughs> angle, this is almost a loss, right? I mean, let's be honest. Right, because I'm going to spend my way to go to that church. I'm going to, you know, and now I have to change my ticket and, and all that. Now, what will you do? It's very easy for me to tell the guy that, oh, I'm sorry. I got this invitation. I'm tra- in fact, when you just say you're traveling out of the country, just, ah, man of God, just go, just go. When you go, don't forget also. You know, I mean, he's a guy that looks up to me, so he's not going to, he might feel bad, but I can, or I can just tell him, take another date next year. Just send me the date. Let's document it. I'm coming. He will be so excited just for me to agree that I'm coming. But you know what I did? I changed my ticket back. Why? Because I had said I was coming. Now, it is easy to commit to things that won't cost you. That's why I give that example. Are, are you following what I'm saying? It's easy to move your words here and there. But when you have told someone, I'm going to do something, and you now look at the implication of that commitment, you now realize that's when stories will begin to change. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Our reputation is also based on how far we keep our commitments. You are, you are a believer, you have a business, don't go and buy fake things. Have a reputation for good things. You know, we, 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 you, see, you see, especially in our nation, we have almost make evil look like good. You know, you walk into a shop, for instance, and you say you want to buy something. Somebody will bring two things for you and say, uh, uh, this is the fake one. <laughs> you just get that. Why are you stuck in the fake one? I remember one time I went to buy something and I bought some stuff for church. It was a bit when we just started, maybe two, three items. Well, the guy didn't know I was a pastor. I just walked in there, bought what I wanted to buy. And when he finished writing the receipt, he now asked me, how much should he write? So I'm like, how much did you sell it? Why? Because there are guys who will go, buy something for a specific price, and do what? And write another price. And then you know what? Funny enough, that guy tomorrow comes to a church and you are the deacon. You know, he will laugh at all of us. Say, these guys are joking. He said, I know that guy. That guy. I know that guy. And meanwhile, you are the one serving communion tables. That is why they said, look from among you. Go and check. Make research. One of the mistakes that every minister makes and shouldn't make is putting people in authority hastily. By the time you have ordained everyone in your church, they use the character to bring it down. 
Because a man must have a good reputation outside for him to serve the house of God. Are we, to, are we still together? This is not to say, you now say, Pastor, I am not serving in the house of God. Leave my reputation. You know, because there's this thing. You know, you have people say, I'm not a pastor for you. It's okay. I'm not a pastor. You see, you, are, you don't live good because you're a pastor. You live good because you're a child of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that doesn't mean you just go and live any and say, well, I'm not a pastor. You know, some people just say, I'm ordinary member. The body of Christ does not have ordinary member. Your association may, but it doesn't have. It's the same blood that was shed for the pastor that was shed for you. It's the same demands that God expects of you. So this is not to say because you're not a leader. And as I sometimes, when you want to appoint people as leaders in church, they just, they just want to pull back. It's not that they want to pull back because they don't really want to serve God. They are afraid of the implication of that choice. Like once I become an elder, ha, I, can't, I can't misbehave anymore. Amen. This is my misbehavior. I love it. So you just say, ah, no, no, ah, no worry. We will send money. We will be supporting you. You know, all those send money is also a way. I mean, you should send money, please. But all those send money can also be a way of, listen, you guys take the cash. Just live my life the way it is. Have a good reputation. Let's read this and then we begin to wrap up. Matthew 5, verse 13. Look at what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know, we like to quote this when we are praying for our business, right? When we're praying for breakthrough. We're like, man, I'm the light of the world. I'm a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We like it for the breakthrough aspect of it. But Jesus, that's very far from God's mind when he was talking about this. Look at what he says. Nor do they light a lamp and put it on that basket. But on a lifestyle on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house i like this it gives light to all who are in the house whether they are born again or not it, it you know <laughs> when we're in school you could tell those in the hostel who were, who were who were believers their light was shining to everyone you could tell they're the ones who will be good who will be there who will just do stuff whether some people got born again because of the attitude of believers they stayed with. Am I right? Because the guys were doing that. And then, oh, well, if somebody can be this way, well, I think there's something about this. Look at this. Let your light so shine before men, so shine before men, that they may see your good what? Works or deeds, actions, and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. And I want to say this here very clearly. The book of Proverbs clearly talks about the attire of unhallowed. Listen to me. Your dressing probably will not tell whether you are righteous or not. But your dressing has a lot about people's perception about you. And if you're a child of God. I don't care what is raining. There are things you should not wear. Are you following what I'm saying? And you know, 
don't also be hypocritical because there are people who say, oh, well, I can't wear this to church. I can wear this to every, everywhere. The, the truth of the matter is that it's, people would also see you with those things. So sometimes it is not because you cannot wear them. It is actually because of the faith. Will this bring a good testimony? You should dress as an ambassador of Christ. That's important. Because, you see, gradually we, we are shying away from some of these things because we're afraid of people leaving the church or people leaving. So, nobody wants to talk about, you know, anything that people don't like, you, nobody wants to talk about them. So, even if somebody's not dressing properly, we are almost scared. Like, ah, sister, eh. Ah, I have something I wanted to say about it. Later, later. You're afraid because immediately you go, then it's like, don't judge me. God sees my heart. But I don't see your heart. It's your skin I'm seeing. That's where my concern is. And this is not just only for ladies because anytime we talk about dressing, then it always goes to ladies. There are physical things you do that will put a stumbling block before the gospel. This is not about you. It's not about your preference. This is about putting the kingdom of God first. Are you following what I'm saying? You need to follow. Are you following what I'm saying now? Because if we are left to the world, we will not wear clothes in the next couple of years. There will be no clothes anymore. <laughs> I remember myself and my wife were listening to a bishop. And... Uh, <laughs> The bishop said they were in this youth gathering and one of the girls, you know, just walked into the church. And so the bishop leaned over to his wife that is like, the girl forgot part of the clothes at home. So the, bishop, <laughs> the, lady, the wife now said, no, that's the new style. Say, ah, is this the complete cloth? Like, <laughs> the dressing is not complete now. <laughs> Praise God. But you see, as believers, we must not catch the spirit of the age. Praise God. I said we must not do what? We must not catch the spirit of the age. Because you know what? It will keep pulling us. It never gets to an end. It will keep pulling us. It will keep pulling us. It will keep pulling us. Praise God. Once a lady wears something in the Grammy Awards, then before you know, that becomes a definition of what beauty is. And everybody going that way. When somebody does this, then everybody's going that way. And if you're somebody who is stable, you discover that fashion will come, fashion will go. Praise God. I remember one time when we were small, uh, these skinny jeans. Give me thought John 11 was what was in vogue when school then, secondary school. Skinny jeans, very tight jeans. And uh, I was lucky enough for my parents to buy one jeans for me. And they bought it with the mind that these jeans will live long as you leave. That was their purpose of buying the jeans. Without telling my mother, I took it to the tailor and made it tiny. That was the day I lost desire for fashion, anything raining. My parents made sure that by the time they were through with me in all ramifications, in words, in flogging, in beatings, in constant reminder of how I destroyed that jeans, I lost, I lost this. And then I was very tiny there, so you could imagine how I was looking. There's that strong influence. Sometimes you think it's for teenagers. 
But it's almost unconsciously that we are under the weight of that in this generation. Not just in dressing, but in many things. We have the concept of social drinking coming in. Means what? You can drink, just don't get drunk. It's okay. I don't think there's anybody who has started drinking who said, my goal is I want to get drunk. I don't think that this tonight I will be drunk. That is my goal. Nobody does that. And gradually we just allow addictive behaviors to come in. And before you know, we keep pulling the boundaries. We keep pulling the lines. Nothing is, it's all about what is right now is now what you feel. Has nothing to do with God. But the Lord has his standards. Amen. The Lord has his standards. There are things that cannot be mentioned among us. And I want to challenge you tonight. If we're falling short of the standard of God, that's where the grace and the mercy of God comes. You don't condemn yourself, but you make a decision and I'm going to walk away from it. I'm going to do the right thing. Praise God. This is the anchor of, of, of John as we stop. Third John 11. Beloved, we do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just pray tonight. Our heart is strengthened in the name of Jesus. And where the lines are becoming blurry for us, that you will strengthen our hearts to make those radical and courageous decisions. To turn away, to walk in the right part. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.